What's up, everybody? Welcome to Building Our Power. This is Gabby. And KT. And we're back with another episode. Thank you, everybody, for checking out our last one entitled, Why Are You Still Friends With Bigots? Um, if you'd like to donate to the work we are doing in the community, we're printing out a whole new batch of flyers. We're about to start distributing them out. Um, and helping us continue to stock the community fridge in Binghamton, you can do so. Link is in the description. If you would like to join us in the city, you can. We've already got a, a couple people on board. We're trying to, you know, build a coalition among people all over the city or the tri-state area and get some stuff popping and moving. You can do so. Link is in the description. All right, guys, before we get into uh, the rest of the reading about Black Arm Joy, we had a listener uh, last week that, you know, was curious about what we meant when we said reject whiteness. White people have to reject uh, the concept of whiteness. And they were curious to, as to what that meant practically in the everyday life. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. And I'm going to let KT lead the episode because she is a white person. And I guess we can talk about, firstly... What does it look like to embrace whiteness and to, uh, you know, just be all in it? And then we can talk about what is the opposite of that. So, personally, I think that embracing whiteness has a lot to do with uh, explicitly, Gabby and I talked about this, but like explicitly ignoring the things around you. And not just ignoring, but not even having to think about it, right? So, for instance, uh, on Twitter, somebody was writing about, there was a black person who said, hey, um, do you guys know what a sundown town is? So, of course, a lot of people know what that is. But in the comments, there were 40, 50, 60-year-old people who were like, I never heard about a sundown town until uh, that FBO, or F, yeah, or no, HBO Mm -hmm. show uh Lovecraft and to me it was just so sickening like you're telling me that you have lived on this planet earth in the United States of America for 50 40 50 60 years and you've never ever heard of a sundown town you've never heard of racism at this point like what have you been doing Where have you been? So, to me, that's what embracing whiteness looks like. It looks like having the opportunity, having the privilege to be able to ignore those certain things, uh, whether that be intentionally or unintentionally. You don't have to think about it. You can just go about your life. Okay. Now, what about on the more overt side of um, your run-of-the-mill Peggy Sue? Who is, yeah, not saying the N-word out loud, but is still doing that. Uh, yeah, so embracing whiteness looks like knowing that you're white, but also co- uh, committing violence through microaggressions. Like, you're, you're going to say things that are very microaggressive to black people, to indigenous people, all the time. And you're going to go about it underneath the guise of, well, I'm not racist because I'm not saying the N-word. But, you know, like, I don't really like black people. And then there's also going to be those people who, quote, unquote, uh, aren't racist. But when they're only in spaces with white people, then that's when they're going to feel safe. And that at that point is when they're going to explicitly be racist. 
Okay. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. So look at what's the opposite of it? The opposite of that, and I want to mention when we said rejecting whiteness. Personally, I don't think there's ever a way for you as a white person or me as a white person to disconnect ourselves from whiteness as a whole. There's absolutely no way, considering the fact of where we live, the historical um, matter of the fact, like what has went on in this country. If you live in the U.S., if you live in a state, uh, city, town, whatever country that has been explicitly... um, explicitly been ran by white supremacist ideology, imperialist white supremacist ideology from the get-go, whether that's in Europe, whether that's wherever, you cannot escape whiteness. You're just not going to. So when we say reject it, it basically just means that you must always be actively checking yourself and checking your family Checking your white friends, checking your, uh, literally always, always, always looking at yourself and saying, what am I doing as a white person today, right now, that would cause explicit harm to black and indigenous people? Yeah. And, and especially something that we talk about a lot, especially for myself, I feel like talking about it with your family is important, one of the most important, because when we talk about white supremacy, when we look at whiteness, we're talking about that family, that, that white supremacist uh, family structure, right? The one that is supposedly attainable, the one that... Um, The United States has basically said that white people shall always obtain, and that basically gives them a nuclear family structure, which is some kind of power. And so, if we are explicitly doing that within our family, I feel like that is going to be our key. If you want to be actively anti-racist, that's going to be part of the key to keeping that thing going on for generations because racism is literally passed from generation to generation to generation through white people. So what can we do to combat that? Pass down something that isn't racist. Actively being anti-racist. Yeah. What do you think? I think it's, um, as far as it being a structure... The only way you can reject whiteness and white supremacy is be actively trying to destroy said structure. So you can't be for the two-party system. You can't be for capitalism. You can't be for um, the the way that the, the school system is run. You can't be for the way that any of this stuff is run. The only way you can, uh, actively be rejecting white whiteness and rejecting white supremacy like yes you need to be talking to your family and friends yes you need to be um educating yourself and educating other white people but you literally have to have a radical state of mind because like kt said you do have blinders on your eyes you don't necessarily know exactly um 
things that all the time what is white supremacist because you're just in it all the time like yeah. you don't know you, you there's no way for you to measure okay what is is normal and what is racist because in america that's pretty much everything so yeah that that's that's what i say not only are you challenging the white people in your life not only are you challenging your bosses when you see something going on, but you are supporting black people in their efforts to destroy the system. And you are uh, supporting everybody, supporting everybody in, in ending this whole thing. That's the, that's the only way to really be anti-racist. It's not, it's not just about talking. It's not about being nice. It's not about the white fragility. It's not about reading the books or going to the meetings. Like, you really have to be out in the streets. And that's what separates, like, the white guilt liberals from the real deal accomplices. Right. Because a white guilt liberal is just going to be like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I, re- I I acknowledge my privilege. Is there anything I can do? I will come and I will I will help at the bake sale. I will do this. That's, you're, what? You're not helping. We're, we're trying to get to the next level. You're over here. You're, you're over here and you got all this power. You got all this privilege. You got all these connections. And you're not really using it. To, to change anything. Because you don't want it to change. Yeah. So that's how you know what's separating the real from the real. So yeah. That's that's how that's, I view it. That's something that, that definitely needs to be highlighted like more. Is the fact that yes. There are 100% are white people. You're, you're totally right. There's literally white people out here. With their hand out saying, please, I beg of you, tell me, what shall I do? If you know anything about racism at all, at all, you should already know what you should be doing. You should already fucking know what you should be doing in the streets. You should already know what you should be doing with your pockets. You should already know what you should be doing, period, in order to remove racist ideology from yourself and from other people around you. It shouldn't just be, please, I beg of you, tell me. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's uh, our view on it. Uh, if anybody else has any ideas, uh, let us know. But, yeah, I, I you, you got to be an accomplice. You got to be an accomplice. You got to be an accomplice to the people that is fighting it, to the people whose existence is is a direct threat to said thing. You want to be a, a ally to uh, the LGBTQ plus community, everybody in the letters. You need to be joining in with organizations, radical organizations in your community that are working to fight against this hetero, cis heteropatriarchal structure. Like, that's the easiest thing you can do to fight to not be a, a, a typical oppressive heterosexual. Like, that's, that's easy stuff. All right, now we're going to get back into the reading of Black Armed Joy. A failure to act is an implicit approval of state-sanctioned genocide. For example, as of December 2021, black people comprise 29% of Chicago's population, but we account for over 80% of all homicides. So-called Hispanics comprise 28% of the city and just 13% of all homicides. Whites comprise 50% of the city and just 3% of all homicides. We observe that the vast amount of mental health and educational resources, healthy food options, and after-school opportunities lie in the white communities. 
These resources must be seized and reproduced in all underserved communities over the course of the insurrection to benefit all. Otherwise, they must be destroyed to benefit none. Revolutionary violence must be spread to the affluent areas and the suburbs to create a new field of conflict for the state. It must be understood that the city, country, and state police, and by extension the army, are what holds this violent arrangement in place. By force and so, they must be destroyed by force. We must build networks of protection and movement from within our communities and without. History tells us, be wary of the inactive white left. We believe that inaction is complicity with white supremacy. In fact, we believe it to be intentional, willful inaction due to the characterization of collective movements for liberation by white people since we were brought here as slaves. Throughout our time on the continent, a status quo with black people as victims of racialized violence via slave owners and later police has been quite acceptable. We understand that we are still slaves in this system, and you understand this as well. A failure by white left to organize a counterviolence to white supremacy in coalition with us will result in the black people left with no other choice but to move on the white community with force. If nothing, we will prove that we are all humans that can live and die by violence, all the same and at the same rates. In the words of Elder George Jackson, quote, Our pledge is to, ar is to arms, our enemies, our institutions, and anyone with vested interest in them. Even if that interest is only a wage. If revolution means civil war, we accept. And the sooner begun, the sooner done. This is our pledge. In the event that a revolutionary movement against the ruling class is made impossible by the white masses across the country. Black youth matriculating through the American university system must accept the university as a site of white supremacist machinery and work to bring its operations to a halt. We must take whatever information is useful from the universities back to our communities to educate, organize, and propagandize those both younger and older than us. The university, much like the state itself, only serves the further development of the neocolonial class of blacks and the co-option of movements led from the bottom up. The university in America, whether historically black or otherwise, is the pit of, quote, crisis management that will never find actual solutions for the problems it creates. It is a cesspool of student loan debt and worker exploitation. We must leave bourgeois affiliations and corporate opportunities behind at the universities in preparation for the incoming insurrection. So, um, I'll just start here. What we were literally talking about at the very beginning of this entire episode is exactly what they're talking about in the first two paragraphs here. That the white left must be active. You cannot be inactive. And you being inactive is explicitly violent. That's it. That's exactly what we just said. And, uh, yeah. I definitely agree with it. What, uh, and then the next little portion here, talking about how the university is a site of white supremacist machinery... It's the same thing. Like, if we, if we look at that, if we look at the actual structure of the university, where it came from, so the, the historical analysis of it, if we look at uh, what it reproduces and what its purpose is within capitalism, we will literally see that it has bourgeois affiliations and corporate run. It's run just like a corporation. It has to go. 
Yeah. Uh, I think that reminds me, uh, I think we were talking about uh, Brittany Cooper and talking about people like her, all these professors and everybody, they get tenured and all this stuff. And it's like, y'all get all this money. Mm-hmm. Y'all do all these studies. You make all these statistics. You know the history. You have the knowledge, and you have the 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 time, and you're written papers and this, that, and the third. Just for you to come out there and say the only thing we need to do is pass some legislation. That's how you know that that system. That there's a reason for that system. Is to get the best and brightest minds and make sure they're not over there educating and helping the proletariat get 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 our our stuff together and get stuff moving. No, we're gonna educate y'all, give y'all the information. Yeah, you may know you may know the the history about communism and socialism and stuff like that, but you're not gonna use it. All you're gonna do is after this, you're gonna get you a nonprofit, you're gonna get you an organization, or you're gonna get a tenure somewhere, and you're gonna make money off selling books, and you're gonna have a good, stable life. And that's what they're really talking about whenever they say. Um, that it's the co-option of movements led from the bottom up. Like, they're using, like, the point of this is for these people, these professors, these intelligent, these educators, these whatever uh, within the university to take the language of the oppressed, the language that was started at the bottom, take that language, co-opt it, and make it a liberal bourgeois understanding of the word so that these people can basically deter any type of radical movement. So, um, yeah, we got to get rid of... We got to get rid of college, school, that type of stuff because it all has its foundations within white supremacy. Or, I mean, at least in the time being, uh, for any people that are in college, though, uh, just make sure you know you're getting that information and you're spreading it and making it readily available. If there's y'all have access to specific books specific archives you need to be making that public you need to be sharing that with with uh with everybody that because those resources are literally being uh have a paywall a a gatekeeping to even get to even get access to that and that's something that we need we need access to all the information that we can get so that is one way and if you're in college you can show solidarity and be a part of the movement as well and yeah you just have to remember because they're training you up to become uh, the petty bourgeoisie. So you have to make sure that with your knowledge, you know what the goal is. The goal is to get that knowledge and to help the rest of the proletariat. And let's let's get this thing moving. So um, the next part is um, the only alternative for the masses to revolution is death. The protracted genocide of the oppressed masses are reacting to COVID-19 political, social, and economic crisis and the slow collapse of this system. The time for change is now. The current insurrectionary tendencies in the United States tend to lack any sort of genuine politics which are anti-oppressive or move from the margins as the anarchists say. They instead tend to be dominated by men who just want to fight. We do not believe there is revolt without care. This is completely erased by the insurrectionary tendencies who dismiss all collective care work and long-term organizing, which prioritizes building relationships as liberalism. We fail to understand how a serious insurrection will be sustained without deep networks of care and love, let alone supplies and infrastructure. We must begin to build dual power. 
We want to be clear that dual power, if it is built, must be tied to the insurrection. Leftist cooperatives or projects do that, do, that do not serve the spontaneous revolt of the black masses are simply vanity projects. We see this with how most infrastructure built by leftists was irrelevant to the George Floyd uprising. Mm -hmm. Dual power, as defined in anarchic terms, is the strategies of building self-organized counter-institutions to combat the current decadent capitalist institutions. Emphasis on the combat part of that sentence. As we build our affinity groups, we must come up with new alternatives to the current power structures to begin building. New systems of justice, fresh food gardens, community entertainment, community defense, etc. As institutions are destroyed, new consensus-based, horizontalized, self-managed structures will take their place. At the same time, we must begin armed squatting of our homes and community centers to defend ourselves from gentrification and forced displacement. It may end up being inevitable, but we will also need to find suitable places for communities in the event our homes are destroyed by the capitalist military bombs. If it happened to move in 1985, it can and will happen today. We must build solidarity networks and create anarchic solutions to the problems faced by those seeking refuge at the southern border. We must do all this at the same time, and the revolutionary anarchist minority can start action in these areas immediately. We should especially prepare for an escalation in repression and likewise in resistance should a general strike develop among the black masses over the course of the next insurrection. We must have support and love for our homies who are locked inside a prison for making the ultimate sacrifice for the revolution. We must also devise clever ways of aiding in their liberation. The actions of building care networks, we don't use mutual aid as we feel this term has been mostly co-opted, is an insurrectionary act if done in a way that does not mediate conflict within the state. Many of our comrades cannot risk arrest, arrest energy injury or death because they are providers for others or they cannot participate on the streets because of a disability. If insurrections are meant to be social and not military, why do most insurrectionist formations and theories seem to not include the most marginalized in our society? Everyone must take part in the insurrection, and that requires us to center the most marginal. Okay, so back to um, this part. Um, so they were pretty much talking about uh, the importance of, yeah, like, we know it's going to be violent. We know it's going to be fighting and stuff like that. But that's really, that's really a far away part. Like, we haven't even built nothing up yet. Mm -hmm. And so, that process is not as sexy. It's not as you can't flash the guns and you can't do, I mean, you can. But this is like stuff that, it's like, like they said, putting on community events, um, uh, doing little uh, block parties, doing uh, the, the mutual aid, doing stuff like that. Just getting to know people, building relationships. That is a very, extremely important part. And that must be just as, as important as reading the theory and doing all of this other stuff. Because we are trying to build a coalition of working class people. I don't understand how 
people expect that to happen without getting there and forming the relationships and bonds. So they call it care work. Uh, yeah, and um, Afrofuturists, abolitionists of the Americas, always say, like, literally everything you read in, on them, they'll always talk about care work and militancy. It's got to be both. It can't just be one. We can't just be forming insurrections. You've got to also have that care work with it, or as we say, mutual aid. So, um, yeah, very good. Very, very good. Yes. So, um, that is, uh, an integral part, and it's a part that everybody should be a part of. It's not no gender-based, uh, thing, so that you only got the, the women doing that type of stuff, and the, right. the dudes doing the little read and stuff. Nope. You need, every single person needs to be a part of that part, and that's a part that everybody can contribute something. And they were t- also talking about making sure with, uh, you're organizing and everything, and even the way that you're visioning uh, the in, uh, insurrection, that it is accessible to everybody. Now, everybody's not going to be able to do everything. Some people physically cannot stand or physically cannot be out in public because of the COVID. But everybody has to have, and they will have, a place and a part in what is going on. So, again, when we talk about, you know, uh, making sure we're not uh, recreating those structures. Pe- those people should have just as much say as we do. Correct. We're not telling them what to do. They're not telling us. But everybody finds the strengths in which they, they can contribute. And then we all just get it popping and get it moving and get it done. So um, that's important, too, when we're thinking about, you know, just organizing in general. Um, some people do have a certain strengths, but I do think that it doesn't need to be because it always is like that, even in churches and stuff. The women is always the one in the kitchen, and the women is always the one doing the little babysitting and stuff like that. And the man is always the one in the front talking and always the one posted up being right. seen. So, yeah, just make sure that ain't going on. Um, but, yes, and they were talking about, you know, um, community work as far as supporting uh, the political prisoners uh, that will inevitably be locked up. Uh, we try, we'll try not to let that happen, but I mean, it's it's bound to happen. And uh, yeah, so I mean, that's just something that we will have to uh, to to obviously be in charge of. I mean, if if people are locked up, we have to be in charge of uh, posting their bail if we can, or paying for their commissary. Or, you know, sending them notes, sending them letters, doing visitations. I mean, that's that's a given. Uh, Something um, that was important to me at this part says, At the same time, we must begin armed squatting of our homes and community centers to suitable places, or I'm sorry, to defend ourselves from gentrification and forced displacement. This is, like, extremely important. Like, obviously, uh, at any time, if you don't pay your rent, you can obviously be removed from your house. But what if, what if we all just one day just decided, hey, um, we're just going to start with guns and uh, arm ourselves and never pay our rent? What happened? <laughs> what are they going to do? 
Yeah. What What are they going to do? I mean, obviously, like that that in of itself would cause an insurrection. That in of itself would cause a political movement because people are, are armed in their homes, refusing to pay rent. So, um, yeah, that that right there is something that we could start with. You know, there's definitely a a a method. And, you know, if you had enough people, you're doing tenant organizing, you get everybody together. I mean, if if everybody refuses to move, what they're going to do? Go individually in everybody's house and, and pull people out? I mean, they can. But ultimately, there's there's strength in numbers. And you could you could possibly get your demands met if you have that that uh, mm-hmm. that power. But, yeah, and I was thinking about that jail thing. And that, that made me think about, you know, I said I wasn't really going to talk about it. But... <laughs> Okay, everybody on this TL, like all these people have been coming out the woodwork ever since Jay-Z was saying that capitalists is a slur and saying we need capitalists and capitalists are this and capitalists are that. Y'all just jealous because you ain't got no money. Y'all, capitalism has lifted more people out of poverty than any other system. Why isn't socialism working today? Like y'all literally have not picked up one book, ain't read one history thing. Y'all literally know (laughs) nothing. Capitalism has pulled people out of poverty. Who's put them in poverty? Anyways, I said that to say, they're over here jerking off these capitalists. When literally, right now, in Jackson, there are Mm -hmm. people, don't nobody have no water. Don't nobody have no safe water even put on their bodies. They have not done a thing. Nothing. Where's Jay-Z? Political prisoners in the jail. Y'all over here putting on concerts for Larry Hoover. You have not broke that man out of jail. Nope. The poverty in their own cities. They aren't giving away money. Nothing. What's happening? And somebody said, we need the capitalists. And we need the revolutionaries. Because when the revolutionaries get locked up. Somebody has to pay their bill, and somebody has to fund all this other stuff. Hold on, who's been who's been paying the bill so far? Here's my thing: Who do they think if when poor people cannot pay their own rent, and these rich people are obviously extremely stingy and tell us that we're lazy and we just need to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps? Who the fuck do they think has been paying our bills to this point? Uh, I guess the capitalists have in secret. <laughs> in secret. But that's my thing. I, I, I These guess, people are, are just a big fucking joke. They're just they a are. joke. I mean, it's all because they want to be rich. But I just thought that that was just so offensive because it's like you literally, first of all, it's a historical. When does that happen? Like, the only time, like, you can say, okay, well, in the 60s, you had all the rich, the people were donating to, you know, the Panthers and these other little organizations. Yeah, because it was a fad, and it was cool, and it was hip or whatever. But as soon as rubber made the road, and, and folks started struggling, and then it was hard to get donations, and people was, we had to go and, and rob banks and do all this other stuff to get money because these capitalists really don't care. They, they, they like it if it's an aesthetic if it's cool, if it's hip real quick, like the Black Lives Matter. But if you really out here doing something and you saying, yeah, we're, we're using this money to get some guns because you're about to go and storm so-and-so, so-and-so. You, you won't get one dime. But even then, wasn't the Black Panthers, what didn't they talk about? Like, we watched this uh, thing, and if I can find it, I'll, I'll drop it down in the in the description. But 
we watched this thing where one of the Black Panther ladies was talking about how, you know, all these uh, stories about how, oh, the Black Panthers were just freely donated to. And she was like, no, we had to go to these people's, like, a place of business and basically force them to give us money uh, with guns, being armed, and things like that. So, yeah. I mean, it was it was it was some that was freely given yeah, donations, but, but yeah, but like you said, you you have to force these people's hands. Like the only reason that these people give anyway now is because there's an incentive with the taxes. Correct. It's not like they're like, oh, I just in the goodness of my heart. Because if that was the case, they would be throwing money in the hood instead of putting crypto classes and telling people about financial literacy with twenty dollars. <laughs> so yeah. Ultimately, these people, obviously, some people ain't finna be saved, and that's whatever. But for us, we definitely have to stand in the gap with that as much as we can. As far as supporting people through the resources that we have, the talents that we have. Because we literally, every single time I say this, we are all we get. And the, the goal and the hope is to build a coalition of people now. So that we can support each other now. And then in the future, when we have enough power, when we have we have the, the, the resilience and the, the, it's, the time is right, we can go do the insurrectionary thing and go and, and, and get that other world that we, that we want to get. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's all I wanted to say about the Jay-Z thing, but I, I just had to say something. Um, that's pretty much it. That's all I got. That's all I got, guys. Um, if you would like to contact us, you can do so. Uh, link is in the description. If you would like to join us in Memphis, you can do so. Link is in the description. You can hit us up on our social media channels at Building Our PWR. We're gonna try to finish this passage, guys. It's gonna be one of these days, but we're gonna get it together. <laughs> uh, this has been Gabby and Katie, and this has been Building Our Power. <laughs>